0: I like the sound of that. Welcome, everybody, to a Saturday of the Wretched Hive podcast. There's just too much stuff happening. We missed last week. We have to have a special episode this weekend to cram everything in, Dave. Just like, just
1: like stuffing a turkey, and
0: <laughs> we're we're continuing
1: our well-established Thanksgiving tradition of not recording. On the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, because we just know that is destined to failure. Even if we commit, even if we plan, even if we clear it with the wretched wives, Mm. we just all know it's a bad idea and we don't do it. So here we are on a Saturday makeup.
0: We need to keep the wretched wives and girlfriends happy. That's number one, because as the old saying goes, happy wives and girlfriends, happy lives. One thousand percent. Uh, but nevertheless, we do have quite a bit to talk about today. We've got um, ander, or and or, if you prefer, uh, episode eleven and twelve to cover briefly. We've got, and we can dig into those later more when uh, when the guys are here. By the way, if you haven't figured it out, it's just uh, Steve and Dave on the show today. We're we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to keep the train going today with just the two of us, Dave.
1: That's right. That's right. Gre- Greg and I did that a couple times back in the pandemic when we were still attempting to review every episode of the Marvel Disney yeah. Plus product. And then we decided that it was just too much and we stopped.
0: Well, if, if that jerk Greg can do it, I'm pretty sure I can handle this stuff.
1: We'll I, was, I wasn't I was going to say it, but okay.
0: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Um, episode 11 and 12 of Ander... We've got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, released this past week. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, out in theaters. And the big news, Bob Iger is back Bob Iger. at Disney. And that's exciting news for this year's show.
1: That was just an entertainment-sized nuclear bomb that mm-hmm. got dropped on Hollywood on Sunday. Yeah.
0: Well, let's give him the introduction he deserves when we get there. First of all, uh, let's uh, do a little um, housekeeping for the show again. Welcome to the Wretched Hive podcast. You can find us on Facebook. That's uh, facebook.com forward slash Wretched Hive podcast. That's the um, one that's not can, owned by Elon Musk. On Facebook. That's right. That's that's Facebook. At Twitter is still alive as of today, as we record on November twenty-six. It has not gone away, and we are on Twitter. That's at Retch Hive Pod. You can uh, can't just do that. You tweet, yes. Oh, yeah, I'm so sick of him. Oh, there we go. Give him a little slap wow. there. We uh,
1: we don't have a check mark though. I want to be clear about that. No. With pride, no check mark on Twitter.
0: <laughs> We're not paying for it. And so you, you won't know if it's the official Wretched Hive podcast. But, uh, uh, well, you will know because it'll be like, um, you know, one tweet every week or two. That's how you'll yes. know it's us. Um, and you can also find us online at our website, wretchedhivepodcast.net. Now, also at the wretchedhivepodcast.net, there are a couple of new updates. Um, not only can you stream every show, from the very beginning of our history back in 2016. Uh, You can also stream every show on multiple platforms. And we've recently added a couple that I wanted to mention. Of course, you're probably listening on Apple Music or Google Podcasts. Most of our listeners are on those two platforms. But Dave, check this out. We've recently added Amazon Music, Spotify. We're on Spotify now. Oh, wow. iHeartRadio.
1: That one surprises me. I'm not going to lie.
0: Now we're on iHeartRadio, Player FM, Podchaser, and now even the Samsung podcast app. And all of those links are available from our website, wretchedivepodcast.net. We are
1: them. diversifying the portfolio, my friend. Yes, we Whatever are. Whatever you're paying, you know what? For 2023, we are doubling it. We're <laughs> doubling it. I'm That's making right. that executive decision right now.
0: Double the fees. So you're you're paying zero initially. Wait, hold on. Zero, yes, to you. So zero. we're going to play
1: twice as much next year because that's how generous
0: I am. So zero times two is... Math four. is hard. We've established seven. that on this podcast. It's free. It's still... If my math that's, is right, that's, it's still free.
1: That literally might be the most painful, like, seven, eight minutes of the podcast
0: ever. <laughs> Anytime we do math. You can also check us out and connect with us the old-fashioned way. Write us an email to show... At wretchedhive.net. Oh, and dare I forget to mention the Wretched Hive hotline. That's 562 455 4483. That's 562 455 Hive. That's H I V E. In case you can't spell Hive, motherfucker. You're goddamn right. Oh! oh awesome. I like that sound clip. That's a new one. Uh, all right. Guys, getting a little too deep into the personal (laughs) life of Steve Baldwin here. Uh, Let's uh, let's go back and oh, see, I thought I had my clips organized. I forgot this one. Um, There's some news to cover, Dave. Let's do it. From ABC News World Headquarters, this is ABC World News Tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the wretched hive. So be it. Before we do anything, Dave. Before we do anything, we have to welcome this man back into the fold. The chairman Chief IBM. Executive
1: Officer of the Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger.
0: Bob Iger is back. Bob Iger. At the helm of Disney, Bob Chapek is out. You're out. Bob. <laughs> and Bob Iger is back. He's got the reins of the Disney fortune in his hands, Dave. That was that was brutal. That was yep. that was an assassination,
1: essentially. That was a corporate level assassination that happened uh, not even a week ago as we're recording this. Right. So just to so just to contextualize this a little bit, the the footnote to history on all of this. So Steve, you and I, among others, were at the Saturday Elton John. Farewell, Yellow Brick Road concert at Dodger Stadium, the second to last one. Yes, and the last one, the Sunday night concert, was live streamed on Disney Plus. Brainchild of Bob Iger, grown into an adolescent by Bob Chapek. Yeah, Bob Chapek was supposed to introduce the concert to the Disney Plus viewing audience
0: mm. at home. Mm.
1: So all the Disney high-level brass is at Dodger Stadium that Sunday night. And then the email comes out that Chapek has been fired. Although they don't say it that way. They say it nicely in corporate speak. He's been fired. And Bob Iger is back in charge. And everybody's at the concert getting the email on their smartphones. And they're literally turning to each other and saying, is this a hack? Is this some kind of a joke? I don't understand. But the whole intro with the disney plus executives for that concert basically got scrapped on the spot with like 90 minutes notice before they went live wild and bob is uh already hard at work he has relieved two of chapex lieutenants of their duties at disney mm-hmm. and is busily working on reorganizing the company to, as he puts it put storytelling back at the heart of what we do as a business here at disney Chapek, uh, I'm not going to get into the details of it because, frankly, I don't even know that I fully understand it. Chapek reorganized everything to be a little more focused on the business side of things, which you wouldn't know from their quarterly results, as opposed to the creative side of things. And Iger is is working to undo that a little bit to put the creatives a little, little more back in charge of what they're doing. I'll be very curious to see what impact that will have on uh, properties like Marvel – you know, brands like Marvel – and particularly Star Wars, under the Disney umbrella.
0: Well, what's been interesting from our point of view, Lisa and I are annual pass holders, now called key holders.
1: I was just going to ask. It's something else now, isn't it? Key holders? That's what it is, key holders?
0: Yes, magic key holders. That's kind of dumb, if you don't mind my saying so. We hold the magic key in our hands. Yes. It,
1: that sounds vaguely pornographic.
0: Well, we well we've been annual pass holders for like 30 years and then they went away during COVID when they came back right. they brought back this Which everyone
1: understands by the way, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone parks closed, Everyone gets it.
0: The parks closed for 18 months. Yep. Yeah. And they brought them back under this new program which really was just a rebranded annual pass pro- program that limited um, also attendance. So you had to now make reservations to get into the park. You couldn't go just any time you wanted to that wasn't a blackout day. You had to reserve a spot. So you couldn't just walk up if it wasn't a blackout day. You had to have a reservation. And that was quite different. But what was interesting recently was that when when they had the, the quarterly uh, shareholder meeting that was revealed that Disney had a poor quarter, this last quarter, A they actually lost money, or failed to meet their earning projections, at least, the next day...
1: I, I think they did both, which is honestly oh. bad in, in Wall Street terms. You can you can yes. not make money as a company, but if you're correctly forecasting that you're not making money, you're still doing great as far as the street is concerned. But if right. you do both,
0: that's really bad. So I wasn't aware that they, they did both of those. That is really bad. Yeah, that is bad if they did both of those. If they failed both to make money... I can't believe that Disney's not making money. That's just shocking to me. That is just absolutely shocking. It, it 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 has to do, my understanding from I haven't not like I've read the Disney
1: Annual Reports. I've read the reporting on it. And the reporting to me says that it's losses due to investments in content for Disney Plus.
0: Okay. Got it. Well, I can tell you, Lisa and I have been to Disneyland and Disney, California probably I think six or eight times since the beginning of September. We go a lot because we're key yeah, holders. I, I'll attest we're, to that. Every, every couple weeks we're there at least to go have dinner or something. The parks are packed. They're packed every day. So it's it's not, they're not losing money because people aren't spending money in the parks. I'll tell you that. But the day after, or two days after that announcement came out, they suddenly reopened sales of Magic Key passes. So, so for a long time, you couldn't buy new Magic Keys. They were cutting off new memberships to the Magic Key program. Two days after that announcement of the quarterly report, they opened those up for sales again. And it was like a knee-jerk reaction, just felt like a cash grab that, you know, we need more money, we need more cash flow, let's start selling these. And for two days straight or three days straight, they just sold as many as they could and then they cut it off again because uh, regular Disney attendees were like, wait a minute, the parks are already packed how are we going to fit more people into these parks? That this is going to this is getting insane now. They cut the sales of the passes off, and then about a week later, Chapek is out, Iger is in, and one of the first comments Iger made, makes is, "I think it's too expensive to go to the parks." So it's really it's really interesting to watch from afar um, this politicking that's happening around the messaging. What is wrong with Disney? They need cash. They sell more passes. They stop selling passes. The new CEO says, uh, it's too expensive for families to go. I-, I can't wait to see what happens next. It's like, give me some popcorn. I'm just going to sit back and watch this. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, to the Hulu adaptation of all this, <laughs> assuming Hulu is still a thing. Because that, yeah, that's right. the other piece of it, right, is Disney owns Disney Plus outright, and they have the controlling interest yeah. in Hulu, and they yeah. have the ability to purchase the remainder of the, the ownership stake in Hulu in 2024 from Comcast, the, the parent of NBC Universal.. Yeah. So they have two streaming services that they theoretically do different content for, and that's also part of why they're they're losing money is they need to they need to figure out a coherent consolidated streaming strategy for the company. And I will say in some fairness to Mr., the departed Mr. Chapek, I feel that a lot of companies in 2020 started making plans and investments for the idea that the pandemic was going to be a long-term state of affairs, that 2020 was going to be what the world would look like for probably three to four years, which at that at a a good point of 2020 seemed like a realistic thing to do. I think we were all kind of, those of us who were following it were mentally dug in for, this is what's going to happen. And the appearance of the vaccine that was developed in 2020 and the application of that has allowed everything to roll back to now it's a, you know, the pandemic is a nuisance as opposed to a controlling societal factor. Mm -hmm. And suddenly all these businesses that were making long-term investments for society operating one way, it's rubber banded back the other. And now those investments are kind of biting in the ass financially.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. So in a little bit of fairness to Mr. Chapek, Not entirely his fault, but at the end of the day, when you're at the top of an organization like that and things go wrong, sorry, buddy, the music stops playing for you and you don't have a chair anymore.
0: The buck stops there.
1: Buck stops there. And to your point about communication, one of those two executives that uh, Iger relieved of duties was uh basically his communications chief.
0: Yeah. Yep. Saw that. He's gone.
1: Yeah. He's out. So it, right. this is going to be a very, very interesting ride. And I will say, with particular to Star Wars and Marvel, there has been a big push for them to produce content for Disney+. Plus. Uh, and I would argue to Marvel, I think it's kind of hurt their cinematic output a little bit. Just, mm. just the volume of what they now have to crank out every year it has diminished the quality of what they crank out over the course of the year, which makes perfect sense, particularly when you look at the visual effects. So I'm wondering if, we won't start to see a bit of a dialing back on the Marvel side for Disney Plus content to, to re-emphasize focus on the the cinematic content. And with Star Wars, dial back might be the wrong term, but just a little more little more thoughtfulness about it and hopefully a renewed focus on what the cinematic prospect is. Mm-hmm. Bob Chapek seems so focused on building Disney Plus, it's like he didn't care about the theatrical output anymore. Mm-hmm. And since Star Wars was of the major brands, the only one that didn't have anything really planned out in the hopper for the future, I'm wondering if that's not part of why cinematic planning for Lucasfilm has seemed so freaking dumpster fireish for the last two years.
0: <laughs> right, right. As if there's no plan at all. Right. I mean,
1: it, it, it's it's yeah. almost what it seems like. It almost seems yeah. like they come up with ideas and then they get to the big meetings and it's like,
0: yeah, but what about disney plus yeah. what do you got for that right well one show that obviously was planned well was ander yes so let's move on dave well and i'm sure Absolutely. We've, we've got a lot to talk about with uh bob Iger's return and the guys will bob eiger will be more than willing to weigh in when they are back i'm sure greg and scott and Nico will have a lot to say about it but now let's move on to Ander, because Ander is wrapping up season two, has wrapped season one, excuse me. And we're uh, <laughs> I and I think
1: they've started production on season two. Started so production you were, on season two. Yeah.
0: Um we just wrapped, or just uh last week, uh last Wednesday as we record the show, episode twelve, the season finale broadcast. So we've got episode eleven and twelve to kind of cover here in the next ten or fifteen minutes. Uh Dave, what did you think about how Season one of Ander wrapped.
1: I, I, <clears throat> I want to talk about something before that, really quick. Okay, and that is, I need help to find an attorney who can help me sue Disney and Lucasfilm. Okay, for intentional infliction of emotional distress,
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: because the characterization of the robot B, yeah. Confronting the loss of its owner in episode 11, that hit me at levels that entertainment should not be allowed to hit a person at. Mm. That is how good that bit of writing and execution was. And I don't know if I'm out on a limb with that one, Steve. I just, I, I'm going to derail your question real quick with my question, and we'll go back to the the broad overarching one.
0: Well, I don't think it's derailing. I mean, I think it gets to the heart of of the sh- why. One of the reasons the show is so good, and one of the reasons that they're using this droid in a way that's that Star Wars has used droids in the past. I mean, R two D two had a heart. It reminds me of that um, the scene that I've mentioned a few times on the show of uh, when Luke is visiting Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back, and and Lucas or uh, R two is outside of Yoda's hut, and he sort of. He's trying to stretch up, and he leans in to, to see inside Yoda's hut. You know, he's it's there's um there's a soul. He's got a soul inside R2D2, and uh, B there's a, there's a soul inside of B2 EMO as well. I think is his call name, right? B2 EMO, which is hilarious. Um, but he's he's connected to his master, his owner, in ways that. That we wouldn't think a droid could be connected to a human being, and it 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 really shows. It really shows in this episode. Um, yeah, when his, she his abject terror on what is going to happen to him. Yeah, is is palpable and heartbreaking. Yeah, the anxiety. Yeah, of the little droid is is palpable. Yeah, I agree. I, I and when you know I'm jumping to episode twelve. Which is uh, which shows the f- the funeral, um, um, and the projection. I'm jumping way to the end now. When uh, <clears> when B throat> uh, throat> projects her image and she speaks and rallies the the crowd to fight against the Empire, um, you know it's it's very moving and it's it's really amazing how they're they're using the droid in that way. Um, I thought it was brilliant as well.
1: You know the, the the whole thing is really brilliant they they focus so heavily on the characters and the characterization mm-hmm. and the writing doesn't necessarily hit you over the head with its exponent with its setup and explanation for things it, yeah. it good art leaves some things to your imagination to fill it right like it, it it's not always if you're looking at a picture all the lines aren't perfect all the colors aren't perfect there, there's something there for your mind to fill in that the artist has left to your imagination and that's what this show is really doing it's Mm -hmm. not perfect cookie cutter you know plot development character development everything it's a bit messy and that makes it all the more real and therefore all the more believable Mm -hmm. Uh, even as we build to the climax on in episode 12 where everybody's there to catch Cassian at his mother's funeral, which he attends, but then doesn't go to because he has to save his friend. And then the ensuing chaos of how the riot actually takes off and develops. I just felt that that was so accurately written that it was just... You could feel that, oh, dominoes are going to fall, but I don't necessarily know that that domino's going to fall, which will tip that domino, which will tip that domino. You just you can feel the crescendo of the chaos happening and yeah. then suddenly there's a, a riot there. Yeah. And I, the writing and the cinematography and the, the editing of it as well is just a, a masterclass. And I know there are people who don't necessarily like Ander as as you know, quote unquote true star Wars because it doesn't have some of those key core star Wars elements in it. But mm. Oh my god, this thing is so good. I I don't understand how you
0: can't love it and respect it for what it is in Star Wars. Is there a is there a legitimate love story thread um that is brewing here now between Deidra and Cyril? You know, we were kind of talking about, you know, he's obsessed with her She's uh very attractive but aloof imperial, you know, uh security general. Um but now at the end of episode twelve, he's making his way into her life a little bit here and she acquiesces a little bit or at least thanks him for helping. You know, well,
1: he, he saves her life from the riot crowd. Right. right? Like he yeah. she went there as part of the Imperial contingent to to arrest Cashin. Right. And She was flanked by death troopers, by the way, which I thought was a very Easter egg is not the right word, but just a a fun little bit of of foreshadowing for Rogue One and and what was going to happen there. Yeah. And then she gets caught up in the riot, which, again, I thought was a very realistic portrayal of what happens. She gets separated from her people just from the mass of the confusion in the bodies. And even though she had a weapon with her and is in a position of authority at the end of the day, if you get eight rampaging people around you they knock the gun out of your hands and now it's just one on eight and that's never going to go well nobody's Captain America, nobody's going to win that fight right he's there, incognito and he, you know, he was stationed on the planet, he's dressed, he blends in and he's able to pull her from the crowd act like he's taking her prisoner and rescue her, and I swear to god I thought they were going to grudge fuck right there in the, in the little <laughs> alcove that he dragged her into
0: Oh, there's going to be some imperial uh, uh, two back monster uh, creation uh, happening pretty soon here, in this in this, in this series. Um, I, I there's going to be a love child. I mean, uh, who is good? Well, he's he's <laughs> going to launch something down her exhaust shaft. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I I, I agree. It, it's it's. I am it so sad, on. Greg wasn't here for it that. Is- It is on. Oh, he would have loved that one. It is on. Uh, oh, wait here, here.
1: Oh. That's right.
0: That's right. Why Uh, do you have that on your soundboard, (laughs) sir? I I don't know (laughs) because because uh it's it's a it's a preview. I have a preview of season two. Preview of season two. Here it is.
1: Oh.
0: Yes. Yeah, those two. Those two are gonna get it on. Um, but yeah, it, that that was one of the, the plot
1: climaxes, right? <laughs> Is there were so many yeah so many people were there to get cash in. The Imperials were there to get cash in. Uh Skarsgård's character was there to kill Cassian, because Cassian's one of the few people who can identify him as as a you know, the linchpin of these these uprisings throughout the galaxy. Yeah. And and it all just kind of goes to pot and at the same time stirs together and and mixes up wonderfully you know he the riot created to the as a result of every all the forces being there to arrest him turns out to be a distraction so he can prison break his friend
0: so so the other the other
1: thread that... even han solo couldn't have thought of that that's all i'm saying no he wouldn't
0: have thought of that but han solo might would han solo sell off one of his kids to keep the rebellion going in the way that Mon Mothma seems to be. She is, like, betrothing her daughter. She's about ready to leave her husband. She's going to give up her daughter to keep the funding going for the rebellion.
1: So that's
0: – and that's, that's not even
1: – that is exactly the half of it in the episode, right? So because she is trying to fund the rebellion out of her own pocket yeah. and – the government meaning the imperials is yeah. doing what all good governments do in a time of uprising which is audit the crap out of everybody to try to find where the money is co- is going to fund all this right she needs to hide it so she needs to make a deal with the devil in order to hide all the the off book accounting work that she's been doing yeah. so she makes two really really rough choices in episodes 11 and 12 the first is to agree to introduce her daughter to a money broker for a potential betrothal, which is a big deal in their in their culture, in her particular racist culture, and I, I was a little, I got the sense that it wasn't so much that she was committing to the betrothal or the proposal. It was we're going to introduce them and see how they feel and if they are cool with it because they're both into this culture as teenagers. Then we'll then we'll move ahead. That 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 was the impression I got. Well... Is that she's she's like you know, halfway there. But the other piece of it was she stages an argument in her senatorial car with her husband. Mm. Her husband doesn't know. The driver is listening in, which the driver is not supposed to do, but she knows that the driver's imperial intelligence. And right. she accuses her husband of lapsing back into his gambling ways, which he, of course, denies, which feeds right into what a gambling addict would do is deny. And she accuses him of taking the family money in off book transfers to fund it drops a canto bite reference which i know greg will love (laughs)
0: that was awesome yep
1: that was awesome too yep but that she's so she's basically giving away her daughter and sacrificing her husband to imperial captivity to cement the financial status of this young rebellion
0: to explain away why the money is missing yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, her arc is so incredible. And I actually, I, I honestly enjoy it even more than the Cashin arc.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, so I understand giving up the husband. Like, he, she hasn't trusted him from the, for, since the beginning of the show anyway. Which,
1: which makes perfect sense. Now that we understand in this culture, you're, you're, in arranged marriages that your parents set up when you're like 12, 13, 14. Yes. Uh, It is perfectly understandable that when you're in your late thirties, you don't like the person anymore.
0: (laughs) Sure. Right. You've been with them for more than half your life by the time you're 30. Yeah.
1: And you're, and you're a fundamentally different person. I mean, I don't, I don't know that you really become the person you are until you're in your twenties. Yeah. So if you were arranged to be married to someone when you're 13, it's logical to me that that's not going to work once you get past like
0: 27. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um but and yet she is more than willing to at least play the game with giving up her daughter for this betrothment so she can access this guy's this you know this gangster's funds. To keep the keep keep the rebellion funded because she's out of she can't access her family money anymore she's out of it or she can't access it anymore because the empire is looking over her shoulder so so closely uh, it's just it, fascinating to watch her inner struggle with that she's
1: yeah I mean, she's, and it's great writing because yeah. I think if it was a more Hollywood story you would you would want to play it up so that there would be tension between the daughter and the mother about this and yeah what I think makes the writing great and keeps the writing mature is that no, the daughter's actually totally okay with it because the daughter's into this culture, this cultural identity part of their, their heritage, which would, which also makes sense. If she is rebelling against it as a parent makes sense that the kid would go 180 degrees the opposite yeah, and turn into it. And that's why the choice is suddenly in a weird gray area. Are you forcing your daughter to do something that your daughter doesn't want to do or are no, your daughter seems fine with it. You're yeah. just compromising your own beliefs, exactly, and that's what makes it a much more interesting and compelling choice.
0: Yeah. Uh, seems like we'll find more about find out more about season two. I'm guessing during um, celebration Europe, which is in April or May, this in London. So we should find out more, um, and maybe late twenty twenty three or even early twenty twenty four, for the release. We don't have a date yet.
1: I don't think we have a date yet. Yeah, and I imagine that's that's something that'll get tweaked around a little bit under under Bob Iger's regime. I have yeah, a feeling so. Bob Iger. Iger is going to is going to start dialing back some of this so that uh, uh, less is more is really cliche to say, but. Maybe just a little bit less, a little bit less to be a little bit more in terms of content, right? Instead of like yeah. four Marvel shows a year, maybe get two and a special every year. Maybe yeah. get one animated Star Wars show, one live action Star Wars show. You know, something just to right. a steadier cadence.
0: Oh, let's not forget the uh, the post credit scene. No. Let us absolutely not forget about that. That was cool. All that conjecture about what are they building? What are the what are the prisoners building? Well, now we know it was actually part of the Death Star.
1: Yeah, the Death it Star was the dish. reflector dish part yeah. of Death
0: Star. <laughs> that was cool. That was a great. I would not have seen because I I haven't been watching through the credits because there haven't been any post credit scenes. I'm so glad you guys raised that, uh, elevated that with me because that was a good one. That was very well cool. that
1: this, this is my pro tip is usually on Disney Plus yeah the credits shrink down to a small box and they give you this big you know because you watched and or you should watch She-Hulk or right, whatever right, thing right, right. it is yeah when it does that there is no post credit sequence ah okay so if you're watching the credits and the credits are staying up on your screen that is your cue that there is a post credit sequence coming
0: okay pro tip
1: which, which is what happened here. They did not immediately shrink down. And I was like, ooh,
0: good, we're getting something. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep uh, we'll keep talking to Samander because we love this show. Uh, great, great, great show. And uh, hopefully Scott will get caught up and we can have him give his opinion too. I know I'm. I, Scott's going to love this show once he gets caught up to it. I know he's he is. Gonna... I
1: just don't know what he's going to do with there being a Last Jedi reference in it. <laughs> That genuinely concerns me. Hey, I watched the Last Jedi. I, think I, I, I know you're, I, I, but you're you're not irrational about it. No, you dislike I, the Last Jedi. You're not a fan of it, but you're not irrational about it. And Scott takes it a little far. Scott, yeah, I love you, love you very much, but you take it a little far.
0: But I, I've 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 come even more full circle to just appreciate Star Wars. Not go nuts over when I don't disagree with something. I and I, I was on sort of to the right of center I was in the center for a while and now I'm even coming more to the left of center a little bit on that I you know I i there's a lot to like about the last Jedi there's a few things that I still have a hard time with but I'm trying not to take it so literally I just want to enjoy my Star wars i I, I always find it
1: ironic that I I think one of the most important messages out of the last Jedi's script and yeah. the writing yeah. was the line that we don't need to destroy the things that we hate. We need to save the things that we love. Yeah, which just, just kicked me right in the emotional testicles when I heard that. That's the message. That's one of the key messages of the Last Jedi, and yet it's the most reviled film. It's the most hated film. Let's destroy the thing that we hate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, good point. Yeah, delivered by Rose right before she kisses. What's yes. <laughs> not pose. Yes. But uh,
1: which breaks which breaks yeah. the internet because God, you can't well, have you can't have that happen.
0: No interracial kissing. Jesus. Yeah. In Star Wars. Yeah. No, man, no not no
1: morons. We want Star Wars to be able to be viewed throughout any theater in the South circa
0: 1955. <laughs> All right, let's move on, Dave. Um, I'm going right to hell. I'm <laughs> going right. No, well. Yeah. Yeah. Full stop. Um hey, guess what? There's a holiday special out that we should talk about.
1: Oh, this was good.
0: Not the Star Wars holiday special, but we should oh, talk shit. about the Star Wars holiday special this month actually coming up. But there is a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special out this week on Disney Plus and it is so much fun, Dave.
1: It is 45 minutes that you will thank us for yes. watching if you have not watched it yet. It is, uh, I don't really think it sits anywhere firm on the timeline of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. I, I have seen Feige say that it's really an epilogue to, to Phase 4. And if it is, in my opinion, they saved the best for last because that thing was brilliant. Usually when you watch something, you kind of have a sense for, oh, this is how long it is. I know how long that show is, and it felt like it was longer and in a good, good way. I laughed Probably every two to three minutes out loud.
0: I, I wanted more. I got to the end and yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, it's only 45 minutes. You know, it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It was really good. So it, it has our the your, your um, heroes from the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, all, all the folks that you would want to see in the show that are still alive in the Guardians universe. Uh, don't get don't drag me into the multiverse yet okay just don't do that i'm just going to get confused cuz i'm sure Gamora is alive in some other universe right no
1: G- gamora, Yes, yeah gamora is alive the gamora from the past is alive and in an our present but the guardians haven't found her yet so there there were oh. there were two there are two key pl- so there are some spoilers here for this so if you right. haven't watched it yet don't for the love of god do not turn that spoiler alert on i will crawl through <laughs> the screen and punch you <laughs> There, right, are just, spo- just there are two spoilers that are key to the cinematic universe yep. plot developments. Yep. One is the throwaway line that the guardians have purchased nowhere from the collector and now own nowhere and are cleaning it up and setting it up. Okay. That hasn't been referenced in any other film so far. So I'm assuming that's a setup for where we're going to find them in guardians volume three next year. The other key bit, which is kind of a key motivator for uh, what goes on is that, uh, Mantis is actually technically Star-Lord's sister because Mantis is yeah. Ego's daughter just as Star-Lord is Ego's son.
0: Did we know and that she, before this special? It's something that had been
1: speculated on but had okay. not been directly confirmed. Okay. So this was this was the first like yes, the internet is right. Okay. That is that is what's happening. And so she feels a, a sibling obligation that Peter Quill is sad because Gamora is missing. And it's around Christmas time on Earth, so they decide – she and Drax decide they're going to get him the perfect Christmas present. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. (laughs) And in – and this is the thing that amazes me is they they revealed this when they dropped the trailer like a month or a month and a half ago that 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 was kind of what the plot line was. Yeah. I can't believe that they kept quiet that Kevin Bacon was doing this until that trailer dropped. That was the first anybody heard about it.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh.
1: and it, it's just a brilliant, a brilliant using of a throwaway gag from the first movie that that the Peter Quill character loves Kevin Bacon. Like Kevin Bacon's the greatest hero in the universe. He saved a town of no dancers and taught them how to dance in the greatest movie ever. Footloose. <laughs> right. So they kidnapped Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Human
0: trafficking, really. When you get down to it. Right. I loved how but they it, played that. It was so funny. And Kevin Bacon, of course. Oh, you know, he's 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 done so much and he's he's, he makes fun of himself and laughs it off. And he's just he plays it so well. There's this whole bit about, oh, we 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 kidnapped an actor. Oh, actors are the worst people in the universe and they're just horrible. And, you know, (laughs) they're like vomiting in their hands. And it's just it's funny. It's it's good.
1: Yes, Nebula has, I think, one of my favorite lines in where she's like, wow, I guess actors really aren't the biggest pieces of shit in the universe. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that meta element to it. Um, and then there's a fun post-credit scene in this one, too, with uh, decorating um, – what's his name? As a tree. <laughs>
1: Groot as a Christmas tree.
0: Groot, yes. I am Groot. It's all he says is, I am Groot, and I still can't remember his name. Yeah.
1: Wow, Steve. Pick a name. Yes. I, was, I I was the one with the brain injury and you're the one that can't remember <laughs> Groot's name. I
0: haven't been able to remember names since twenty sixteen, since we started the show. Anyway. Uh but yeah, and that, that, yeah, that's a fun lovely.
1: little side at the end where Groot puts his arms down and yeah, all the ornaments yeah. collapse and Rocket looks at the, the screen's like, I guess we need a new holiday special. <laughs> yeah. It was but th- that it was th- That was also a great gag in that Nebula gave Rocket a gift. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's a metal arm.
0: Yes. It's oh, the Winter course. Soldier's arm. Yeah. Well, he was asking for the Winter Soldier's arm or tried to get it in one of the yeah. other movies, right? The second in in one?
1: Infinity War.
0: Uh, oh, Infinity War, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there, there, there's a great bit where Rocket looks at the camera and goes, oh, I'm getting that arm.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It's fun. It's great fun, great holiday fun. Go check it out. Yes, um,
1: and you get to see Drax, Drax the Destroyer and Mantis on Hollywood Boulevard, which if you live in oh, Southern yeah. California, it's so perfect. Even Amy was watching, and she was like, she was laughing, and she's like, "I would probably go take pictures with them too if I saw them there. I would just assume they were oh. part of the part of the bit." They it's fit- totally true. Aliens could land on Hollywood Boulevard and walk around, and nobody would effing know for years.
0: Oh yeah, we. I mean, you and I and the girls were just there a couple of weeks ago, David. Yeah, I, I mean, it looks exactly like. It looked a couple weeks ago, and there's guys down there doing the robot thing and posing and superheroes out there. I love the bit where uh, she sees Captain America and runs up Steve and jumps on him, and he's like, get away from me, and he runs. That's fun. <laughs> fun stuff. Um, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Check it out. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Um, Dave, we also wanted to cover a little bit about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is out in theaters now. Which, which is the exact opposite
1: tonally from Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. right? Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. is just this this fun amazing palette cleanse and I'm going to throw out also very bright colors, very well lit, yeah. very cheerful looking show. Yes. Unlike most of the 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 recent film output from Marvel for you know a lot of behind the scenes reasons that i'm i may or may not get into here if steve indulges me for a few minutes but wakanda forever is just going to be a dark movie no matter what because of the death of chadwick boseman after the script had been written for black panther 2 and they had to rewrite it without their lead character and incorporate his death into the storyline and and make it a central part of of what thematically was going on what who is going to be the Black Panther, who is going to lead this nation, and what does it mean for that person to become that leader and that hero? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a story that they tell very, very successfully and do very well and, and is, is quite moving. They introduce uh, a the oldest Marvel comic superhero into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Namor, completely change his origin around because I mm-hmm. think uh, Namor in the Marvel comics rules, the undersea kingdom of Atlantis, which is also what Aquaman rules over in the DC universe. And I, they changed it up to, I think, avoid any potential confusion and, or legal issues oh, with, is that, uh, with that. So did so, he
0: have a, uh, like the, um, Aztec background in nope, that, in that is comics? not in the comics. Okay. Now
1: hmm. no, in the, in the comics, he's actually born, uh, because of, Shortly before World War One, I, I think actually, uh, an American ship encounters some Atlanteans, and uh, you know, the magic happens, and that results in a, a hybrid baby being born, Namer. Mm. Who is uh, the first? Who, who later is revealed to be the first mutant in the Marvel universe, and he mm. talks about that again here too. How he's a mutant and he's been around since the 1600s. Yeah, that's another important bit of foreshadowing for what's going to happen with the introduction of the X Men here at some point in the Marvel mm. cinematic universe.
0: Mm.
1: Ms. Marvel is not the first mutant. Mutants have been around for a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. Just maybe not prevalent or known. Uh, we get the introduction of Ironheart. Uh, a new character, fun character, a, another mechanical genius, a la Tony Stark, who builds armor, a la Tony Stark.
0: So Ironheart not in the comics at all.
1: Ironheart is in the comics.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you said okay. that That, is a, that is, is a comics character. She's Got a fairly
1: it. recent comics character, though. Okay. Okay. I think within the I think within the last twelve years.
0: Okay. How what how did you like how they handled the um the death? And um, and the the rise of the new Black Panther and, and the death of um, T'Challa. How did you? What did you think of that sort of thread? I
1: I thought they handled it very well. To be honest, uh, it, it it is very moving yeah. to watch uh, to see them deal with grief and see how the grief kind of moves and motivates all those characters for decisions that they make throughout the movie. You know, if you were trying to tell that same story and there wasn't that element of grief, I don't know that the dominoes could have fallen over the, you know, the way that they did. Uh, the The only thing I was uh, excited about in all of that was I correctly predicted uh, Michael, Michael Jordan's cameo appearance in the movie.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I didn't predict that, but I, I'll tell you, I thought Angela Bassett was phenomenal in this. Uh, I thought her acting was great. I thought all of the acting was great, but she in particular was really good. Um, the movie has a much darker tone than than the original Black Panther. And obviously, they're dealing with the death of T'Challa, and I thought that they handled it so so well. I mean, it's a it's a superhero movie. You know, you go into a superhero movie, usually you want to come out energized and feeling good, and you see all the special effects, and it's it's rip roaring fun, right? And and they achieve that. But they also dealt with, in a very loving way, the death of T'Challa, and and um, they honored the character uh, and and the actor um, in in a very 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 nice way. And I, I thought I thought it was super well done. Big big props to um, uh, to Ryan Coogler, and I I really think he had his hands full, in and did a great job in in doing really something that was really difficult which was to to uh to take um the script to to change it as much as he had to change it probably had to rewrite the entire thing from top to bottom almost I'm guessing and um, just about just and and pulled it off and, and he has talked about how
1: he he after Chadwick died he yeah. almost walked away from the project mm. because he didn't he didn't think he had it in him to to do it without Chadwick Bozeman, which I completely understand and empathize with. Chadwick brought this this regal touch and energy to it that was so so necessary and so infused everything that was happening. Mm-hmm. And Ryan has also said that now that this is done, that he's he is stepping away just from filmmaking in general for a bit, because he had to put so much into making this movie. And he doesn't see how he can do it again, at least right now. Mm-hmm. So I know there have been rumors that have floated around that uh, Ryan Coogler will, you know, direct one of the the big crossover films, you know, Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. And he has said adamantly, like, nope, that is not the case. I'm I'm stepping back from all of this right now. Yeah. And that when I talk about the the nobility that Chadwick brings to it, that mm-hmm. that is him. But that energy also comes from the script. And I, I do want to touch on how Kugler makes the has made both of these movies like some of the best Game of Thrones episodes that I have seen
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: in, in, in years. He does such a good job of capturing the, the idea of the nobility of the characters and the idea of nation states competing against each other both in Wakanda competing against the world in the first movie and then specifically the Wakanda uh conflict with Namor and Namor's undersea nation in in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just the, the respect accorded to Letitia Wright's character Shuri when he kidnapped her. You know, that was not mm-hmm. that's not a typical kidnap and villain monologue scene, right? He's he's recognizing She's not she's not exactly a head of state, but she's a very important person. She's being afforded a lot of courtesies and respect that a kidnapping victim would
0: not normally receive. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she was also brilliant in this movie. I thought uh, Letitia Wright was great. Uh, I mean, I think I think she could be a actually she could be a movie star, quote unquote. I don't know. I mean, she's a star of these movies, but I think I think she could do more than just Marvel movies. I hope she does.
1: I I think she could too, and I I do wish they'd done a little more with something they hinted at at the the front end of it, where Angela, uh, where, where they where she was talking with her mother, and they were discussing the idea of faith versus science, mm. and it was a conversation they didn't come back to later in the film, and I kind of mm. wish they had because it was. I think that's always quite exquisite when you get into that. Mm. that science is this thing that we live with and we build our society around. and it's very much empirical like, oh, I can prove this, I can demonstrate this, I can touch this, I know this because of all those things. And faith, which is the other overriding thing that we build our society around, is the exact opposite of it. You know, Proof denies faith and without faith, religion is is nothing.
0: Yeah. I, I love it when these movies that um, allegedly are so superficial get into these deeper sort of commentaries and, and thought provoking mm-hmm. sort of um, streams of consciousness about these these different the, the 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 deeper things that we struggle with. I mean that and I think a lot of these superhero movies are reflective of those types of um, issues that and maybe help us think them through sometimes. And I, I love that. I love that as well about this movie. Um, All right. So thumbs up on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say MCU phase four closed out with probably its two best projects in Wakanda Forever and the Guardians holiday special.
0: <laughs> it's funny to think of the holiday special as part of phase four, but that is that official? But, is that that's what they're saying? It's like the end cap of phase four. Yeah, that's what that's what said, and my yeah. it,
1: I made the point of calling out how brightly lit and colorful it is because that's vanished from a lot of the mainline Marvel cinematic films, and that contrast is very apparent. If you put if you watch Black Panther and Wakanda Forever back to back, Wakanda Forever is just a darker film, not just because of the story content, but because of the lighting and the cinematography, and part of that comes from the sheer volume of special effects work that Marvel's staff has to do now between the films and all the TV shows that they're doing. Right. And it's easier to do the special effects. If it's a darker story yeah, because it masks the imperfections.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So they shoot the movies darker now than they used to.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean in the star Wars universe, uh, I clearly remember reading over and over and over again in different sources about how Empire was so challenging with the all-white snow and the the H- battle on Hoth, be- because of that. Because it was such, that was one of the reasons it was such a challenge was everything was brightly lit. Um, so yeah, the lighting has a lot to do with how 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 they do the effects and how how um, how easy it is to hide things,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know they can also how um, if it's at night and you can sort of make things a little more a uh, little less sharp a little more faded obviously easier to to hide flaws and imperfections in the effects um, as opposed to bright sunshine
1: yeah but even even look at it just
0: contrasting between
1: throne room scenes in the first Black Panther movie and throne room scenes in Wakanda forever and there is there's is a notable mm difference and it's not that they need to do special effects in that in those scenes yeah but if you're keeping all your special effects shots at a certain certain tone or light level if you will Mm. you've got to keep the rest of the film in that same palette otherwise it looks jarring and out of
0: place yeah yeah well the first the first black panther movie is a is a visual feast it's just beautiful i it's one of the Top five Marvel movies for me. I mean, we've spent some time in the last month sort of ranking them and f- picking our mean movie. And we, I think we both agree that this, uh, that will kind of forever is in the above the mean for sure. Um uh, yes. in the like the top, maybe the top third of the top quarter. Um, uh, but yeah, it's not as visually appealing as the first one for sure. It's just, it's a little bit different. The tone is different. And, and for good reason as we've discussed. Um, well the I would say for a practical some.
1: reason. Yeah, I would exactly. I, I would like to see Marvel dial back a little
0: bit on what they're doing
1: so they can get us back to the visual smorgasbord that we had. Yeah. You know, in the at the the end of phase 3. Got it.
0: Give their guys a little bit of bandwidth.
1: Give give the guys and gals, and gals a little bit of yeah. bandwidth. They deserve it. All right.
0: All right, Dave. We've come to the end. Let's get out of here. All right. That was a quick 45 minutes. We had lots to cover, two voices, so less less uh, elbowing under the basket, fighting for rebounds in this one.
1: True.
0: Uh, and if you ever play basketball and want to tell us all about your experiencing elbow underneath, elbowing underneath the basket, you can call us. Uh, Sometimes. I don't know what I'm doing. On the Wretched Hive hotline. That's 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E in case you can't spell Hive. You're goddamn right. You can also find us online at wretchedhivepodcast.net. You can subscribe to our podcast through a variety of platforms, including most recently... Spotify, iHeartRadio, Player FM, PodChaser, the Samsung Podcast App, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music—just about anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the Wretched Hive. Uh, you can also email the show at wretchedhivepodcast.net. You can find us on Instagram at the Wretched Hive seventy seven, on Twitter at wretchedhivepod. No blue check. No blue check on that. Um, And of course, on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com. That's what I just said. Forward slash Wretched Hive podcast. Dave, episode 240 of the show is officially in the books. Do you have any final thoughts, my friend? Uh,
1: my final thoughts are: I hope everybody had a safe and happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you're having a wonderful kickoff to your holiday season for 2022. That's a wonderful final thought.
0: Oh, did you get anything on a Black Friday? Any anything fun?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't get anything at all on Black Friday.
0: No, no shopping at all. No, okay.
1: no, no shopping. I'm on a budget.
0: My big purchase was: uh, I got 20 watt Apple phone iPhone chargers. nine bucks a piece they're usually 19 of course you did i was excited (laughs) all right have a great couple weeks guys may the force be with us all